0: Cameron DeVazier and I'm Mark Howard and this is Talking Points. We are now on the fifth lesson of our second quarter of 2021 all about the promise God's everlasting covenant and this lesson is titled Children of the Promise and essentially Pastor Howard what's going to be looking at is uh, from the what is it God's wanting from his children what is he expecting from these covenant people of God. And uh, we've got a lot of good material in this particular and even, lesson. Or,
1: and even perhaps, what is the result of embracing the covenant? Yes, God.
0: I think that How God, does it
1: affect those who take part in it?
0: And I think that we're going to see that the scope of what God has in mind is bigger than just an individual salvation, or even like a group of people salvation. There, there, there yes. are bigger ideas behind this whole thing. Universal
1: implications.
0: Yes, so there's a lot to cover today, but we're going to start with a word of prayer, and then we'll go through our talking points. Well, let me give you a little introduction. On Sabbath afternoons, uh, lesson, it talks about this really uh, nice story of a a father and his little girl who were out swimming in the beach one day, and there were some currents that were pulling them apart, and he gave her a tutorial real quick, said, if we get separated out here... Don't try to fight and swim back. You'll wear yourself out and they'll be bad. What you want to do is flip over. Just float on your back gently. Don't exhaust yourself. Let it carry you. We'll find you, but just stay, keep breathing and stay floating. That's it. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, the water did separate them. And the father was able to swim back and get the rescue crew. And everybody had been so long since he'd been out there. Everybody assumed that she was going to be gone. It was terrible. But sure enough, there she was, just floating gently, obeying her father's command. And the lesson taken away is that her steadfast faithfulness to her father's instruction was a powerful evidence to the rest of the people watching about yes. the, the need to obey. And so that's what we're going to talk about this week is the the impact of God's covenant, not just on the people of God, but the people who are watching the people of God. So I'm excited about that. But can Amen. you give us a word of prayer, and then we'll get into our
1: talking Let's points? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are... Um thankful to be able to study your word together, to have the spirit of truth to guide us into an understanding of your truth. Lord, may that understanding not just be a theoretical understanding, but a practical understanding that will draw us closer to you and help us to be those children of the promise that the scripture outlines. Um, We pray that you would bless those Sabbath school teachers and um, students who will be studying this lesson, that it would be a rich blessing to them all. Let me ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Okay, our talking points for this week are, talking point number one, God is our shield. This comes from a Sunday's lesson, and it talks about that because that's exactly what happened in Genesis chapter 15. God makes that promise to be the shield for Abraham. And what does it mean? Is God going to protect us from all danger? Is he going to keep us safe from all harm? What does it mean to be a shield? We'll look at that in talking point number one. Talking point number two the covenant is ultimately fulfilled in Christ. And so praise the Lord for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the children and descendants. You,
1: you, you say a you know, talking point like that, and you're almost like, do we need to even say this? But the reality is that there is much of the world, there are those in the church, and many, many beyond the church, the church, yeah. who don't understand that significance.
0: Right, and they see the Jewish nation as a biological right. descendant, that's the specialness. Yep. But really, that's the faith in Christ we're looking for. So that's cu- an idea number two. Well, about how here. many
1: Christian, will we'll wait.
0: It's like, we want to dive in, but let's hold off on that. And finally, talking point number three, God's people, and this includes the Old Testament, New Testament, and End Times, all of us, God's people are to reveal His character. Mm -hmm. And this comes from Wednesday and Thursday's uh, studies. And so there's a lot to dive into we're going to cover the God is our shield and the covenant ultimately fulfilled in Christ, but we're going to spend a good amount of time on that last one about the practical implications of what does God want from His people in revealing His character All right. to the world.
1: Let's do it. So let's start with number one. Tell God, us about number one, God is our shield. You yes, want me to read Genesis? I would
0: love for you to read Genesis 15, 1 through 3,
1: please. Okay, Genesis 15 says, After these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is a of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir.
0: So here Abram's wrestling with this promise of God. How
1: can this be? You've promised
0: all this great stuff, and yes. God doesn't come to him. And, and remember last week's lesson, they talked about all those names of God, like yeah, right. God being powerful, God being eternal, God being all those things. <laughs> And, of course, he is all of those things, but here he comes to Abram with the specific, and the lesson brings this out. In Sunday's lesson, um, the author, the contributor, editor, whoever was, said it. that um, You're sticking this in the second paragraph down. The designation of God as a shield appears here for the first time in the Bible and is the only time God uses it to reveal himself, even, other Bi- even if other passages use the term to talk mm-hmm. about God. So it's the only time God says, I am, and he says a shield. Yeah. And he doesn't just say a shield or the shield, he says, I'm your shield. So, this to me ties back into what was tried to be made in previous lessons that God is speaking in relational terms specifically to uh, to Abram to give him the confidence he needs to obey the covenant yeah. uh, that he's outlined. But particularly, let's, and you used to lose, use just a little bit of logic here, why would a shield be a symbol given to Abraham now in his experience? I mean, As I look back on it, you have Abraham has already been called to leave his household, his nation. He is not a large household in himself. He's going to a place he doesn't know about, uh, full of likely hostile... What function is
1: the shield to him? Is it going to shield him from harm? Is it going to shield him from that? that, That's a significant question to ask. What What does he
0: mean by this? So we could look at the human side and say, oh, he's going to protect him from enemies. He's going to... But I think there's a bigger overarching shield idea here. Uh, and in the lesson and in the notes um, what I put down is that God being a shield means he has our eternal interest in mind. So he has this overarching plan for lives and he says, I've pledged myself to carry you through my yes. purposes, right? Not as we might think, oh he's going to protect me from everything. Never going to have to face a challenge, a difficulty no harm, well, going to come think my about way.
1: It. He's, in, in essence he could be saying, I'm shielding you from anything that would keep you from inheriting my promise. Exactly. But we know that many, the promise of God includes the transformation of our characters, which includes, you know, tribulation worketh patience. Yes, it does. Like the things that make for character are often the things that we wish he would shield us from. Right. Well, and you can so, see as you study. So in other words, yeah. in shielding us from that which would ro- take away our part in the promise, Mm-hmm. He has to allow things to happen in our lives. Exactly,
0: and so a lot of people look at it and say, "Well, it means I'm going to be protected from financial difficulty or stresses or, or maybe even death itself." Of course, God has promised. But what I see here, and we can look at other examples, I put just a couple in the notes. For instance, Lazarus in John right. chapter eleven. God promised to raise him up, but he died. The same
1: God, the same shield, God right. was his
0: shield. Exactly. And the quintessential example in the New Testament for that, for me, and this wasn't in the text, but I'm just thinking of other yes. people God has pledged himself to keep, mm-hmm. would be John the Baptist. Sure. His forerunner, his prophetic you know, messenger... And in I mean, Matthew and that chapter, one even
1: through John for a loop. Yes. In Matthew chapter eleven,
0: and I wrote that down in the notes, he sends messengers from his prison cell to say, Are you sure you're the one? Yeah or is there somebody else? This can't possibly be I'm in a dungeon. Right. You know? And then commenting on that if you want to read desire of ages 224 what does mrs white yes. say
1: she says god never leads his children otherwise then they would choose to be led if they could see the end from the beginning and discern the glory of the purpose which they are fulfilling as co-workers with him now remember a few <laughs> yeah. lessons back we talked about Daniel in the lion's den mm-hmm. in the Isaiah quarterly, how how the Lord used that event to get the attention of Darius and ultimately Cyrus, yes. so he would make that decree. Well Daniel didn't know that going right. into lions. Going into lions, he could be the I thought
0: you were gonna keep me from this kind of stuff. But he doesn't know. And so he didn't sometimes discern the purpose. And in sometimes like John the Baptist, there was a purpose. There's there's martyrs to come who could look back and say, God loved him and allowed him to go through this. So it's a testimony. From our perspective, we don't have the insight to know what things are good for God's purposes, but he does. So he That's says, right. I promise, and I'm going to keep my covenant. if you can see
1: the end from the beginning, like, who wouldn't want a story to say, man, I was in this den of lions? Yeah. They didn't touch me. But who wants to get to that point yeah. by going through the den of lions?
0: Well, know? it's interesting, too, that God, going back to the Abram story, he gives this to him in Genesis chapter 15. But that doesn't mean, oh, it's going to be easy from now right. on. You've still got 16 and 17 and, of course, 22. And then right. you have the saving of Lot. There's all kinds of things in his life that are challenges. But God still promises to be his yes, shield. Yes, absolutely. Anyway, so I think that's an important thing to start off on there is God's protective in the sense of not just temporal, but yes. eternal purpose. What that from means and what it doesn't mean, and exactly
1: having a clear understanding of that. Yes. All
0: right. Talking point number two is that the covenant is ultimately fulfilled in Christ. And just a moment ago, Pastor Howard, you kind of almost offhandedly lamented, "Do we even have to make a point yes. out of this?" Because for for many of us, that seems so self evidently clear that it's not just you know a, a thing for the Old Testament, ancient Israel. Genetic family of Abraham that this promise is made, that it's for everyone who's yeah. in Christ by faith.
1: But even as I was thinking about it, as is, mm-hmm. is you were just a minute ago, how many Christians do you meet who say, I'm a new covenant Christian? I'm yeah. not an old covenant Christian. And they don't understand, they, they think that the promises to ancient Israel were different. Mm. from the promises to present. And you get into dispensationalism. This says right. that, that that there's coming a time when the Jews are going to restore to their land and this and that. In fact, some think it already happened in 1948 and you've got all the futurism prophecies. But it's all based on the idea that the covenant in well, essence to, wasn't ultimately...
0: Maybe it'd be helpful for people to, because we throw around the term dispensationalism a lot, but essentially what we're talking about there is that God had a way of dealing with and even saving people in the Old Testament, and then there's a way, a whole nother thing, a new covenant, a new plan, switch gears, Switch gears. there's a whole nother mode, so some people he saves by work, but other people he saves by grace. In the Old Testament, they did these things, and now we're doing this, and... That's why I think this title of the whole thing is fascinating, because it doesn't just say the covenants. It says God's everlasting covenant. That the same right, covenant. And I was just
1: going to say, you have in your t- point, talking point, the covenant. It's singular. Yes, it is. Is that, is that old or new? Yes.
0: Exactly. Well, let's look I mean, at Genesis twenty-eight. Uh, go ahead and finish your thought.
1: Well, I was just going to say we haven't gotten it. Obviously, there's aspects of the old covenant that were the people's aspects of it. When we call it the old covenant whatever else, mm-hmm. we're talking. We're going back to the the original covenant made with Abraham before anyway, which the lesson is going to get into as we go further on in the quarterly. But
0: well, let's let's remind ourselves of what God had promised to this family of yes. of. Abraham, and of course the, the covenant passed from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and his whole household, the great nation that would be the nation of Israel. And in Genesis chapter 28 uh, verses 13 and 14, says, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham your father mm-hmm. and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. So he ties it to Abraham, the, the first covenant recipient, recipient here. Then Isaac, his son, and now he's talking to Jacob, who would become Israel. Right. And he says, I will give it to you and your descendants. So automatically, it sounds like a biological lineage. The father to the son to the son, and God's dealing with them also. It says, verse 14, also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And in you and in, and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So, yes, there was a covenant contract with the genetic family, the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and on down. Mm -hmm. But notice that even back then, the purpose of blessing that family was not an end to itself, but it was supposed to be as a springboard, as a way of getting the blessing to the rest of the world. Because in you and in your seed, that is, your descendants, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So what does that mean? Does that mean that we are blessed, Pastor Howard, because there are Jews in the world? Yes. And
1: yes, in a (laughs) sense. But let's look at the New Testament book of Galatians. Do you have that passage for us? I do, but I'm looking back in Galatians because Paul, when he comes to that, because you you were talking about the seed, the descendants, Mm. but when the apostle talks about the seed... He makes the point that the seed, in verse 16, before verse 29, which we have in the lesson, uh, in the in the outline, Galatians 3 and verse 16 says, Now to Abraham and his seed were mm-hmm. the promises made. He does not say, And to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. So even then, the apostle applies it not to exactly. the natural born, but the seed would be the descendant of That would come, the Messiah that would come through the lineage.
0: Well, and you even see that. We didn't have this in the notes, but I'm just thinking now in Genesis chapter 3, at the very beginning, the first covenant promise, it's the promise of the seed. And this is before there's Abraham or Isaac. And so this seed has been the promised one even before there I'm wasn't just thinking Abraham.
1: as we're talking about this that we don't have time to go through. Like the scripture is full of this. New Testament authors, verse 29 that you were going to have me read is, "And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise." Yes. But one text that came to my mind is in Romans 9, mm-hmm. where the Apostle Paul makes the point in verse six, uh, because here's after Christ has come and uh, the the gospel's gone to the Gentiles, and he says in verse six. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are in because they are the seed of Abraham, but and he quotes from Scripture, in Isaac your seed shall be called. And people forget that Abraham mm. did not have one son. He had two sons. Ishmael was a descendant of Abraham. Mm-hmm. So if being a descendant of Abraham was the key what happened to all the Ishmaelites no mm-hmm. and Paul's making that point like even then we know and he's talking to his Jewish audience we know that God intended it it wasn't every descendant of Abraham it was a specific kind of a specific kind of descendant of Abraham yes. those who are of faith in the promise. Well and when
0: Jesus arrived in the in the fullness of time as that same book of Galatians talks mm-hmm. about right he encountered a religious system that had taken those promises to Abraham, Isaac, and the sea, the special nation, right? And th- had applied them so limitedly to the genetic descendants of Abraham, yes. thus we, we know we're blessed because we're part of them. And it takes a lot of his own teaching, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, to say, look, that seed promise is bigger than yes. just you, and it's it's supposed to be enveloping of the whole world who would come to Christ by faith. That's it's right. Christ the seed that we're looking for.
1: Well, and you you bring that point up. Paul makes that point in Romans 4, where he says, he talks about how this, this whole thing, the justification was accounted to Abraham, and he says in verse 11, and he, Abraham, received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised. Of course, they're linking circumcision mm-hmm. to the Jewish nation. Well, because you're Jew and you're circumcised, you have the That's it. So Abraham yeah. had it before he was circumcised. Mm. It was a sign of the righteousness he already had through faith. Mm. And then he makes this application. He says that that Abraham might be the father of all those who believe. Mm. Not the father of all those who descended from him, Mm -hmm. though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also, and the father of circumcision to those who are. So whether you're circumcised or not, whether you're Jew, natural born Jew or not, the point is... God's promise was always intended to be those who would believe in his son, not those who are just natural born Jews. So there was a special function the So even before it wasn't the New Testament, he changed his mind.
0: Exactly. But all along, this has been the whole MO of God's right. plan for redemption, is that through the family of faith that would right. begin with the biological family of Abraham, all the world could see and become part of that right. family and be one in Christ. Like, why did
1: the Lord pick Abraham? Or pick Abram out of early Chaldees. There were no Jews yeah. because he knew he would have faith in Yeah,
0: it. I'm going to start with this one and build from there. And the lesson brings this out in Monday, uh, the middle of the first paragraph. It says, in one sense, this was a promise of the rise of the Jewish nation. Speaking of the seed, the promise yes. in G- Genesis 28, 14. So in one sense, this was a promise of the rise of the Jewish nation through whom the Lord wanted to teach all the families of the earth about the true God and his plan of salvation. Salvation. Yet the promise reaches complete fulfillment only in Jesus Christ, who came from the seed of Abraham, the one who would at the cross pay for the sins of all the families of the earth. Yes. So just having a Jewish nation was not an end to itself. Like, oh, I've got a special people. That's my right. whole goal. My goal is to use them For a greater purpose, to call the whole world to repentance and have a reflection of the image of God. So that's
1: fascinating. So God's intent was not to just save Israel. Right. God's intent was to use Israel to save the world. Amen. Which leads us to our third talking point. Exactly. So smoothly
0: transitioned. Thank you. And that talking point is number three. God's people are to reveal his character. Mm. And this is the... If I were teaching this lesson, I would spend most of the time on here. But it comes directly from Wednesday and Thursday's um, studies, and, and the passages could that, that are brought be, out.
1: Could that be ascertained from the fact that your outline takes three from almost a third of the way down and all of the rest of the second page? I think that's a fair assessment, and
0: I have no problem with that. I'm not ashamed of it at all. Okay. But for instance, in Thursday's lesson, well, let me just tell you. Yes. On Wednesdays, it's titled A Great and Mighty Nation, which talks about the grandeur uh, and splendor that Israel was supposed to be as they followed God's law. Yeah,
1: you have a subpoint that says, fame can be wicked or righteous.
0: We'll get to that. Now, on Thursdays, it's about making your name great, and that. Fame can be wicked or righteous. Comes from Thursday's lesson. And we're in the middle. It says compare Genesis eleven four with Genesis twelve two. Ah. Now, Pastor Howard, why don't you look up one of them and I'll look up the other one I'll and we'll look at Genesis these two. 11,
1: 4. We'll, we'll
0: obey our instructor and look up these passages mm. and compare them.
1: Genesis eleven four mm-hmm. says, uh, speaking of those who built the tower of Babel, and they said, "Come, let us build ourselves a city." and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth.
0: Now, it'd be easy to look at that and say, ah, see the problem with them? This desire for a great name, that is inherently evil. But, but, as our point says, fame or renown or popularity, however you want to say it, can be wicked like we saw there, springing from a selfish ambition. But just one chapter over One chapter over, what do we read here in chapter 12, verse 4? I'm sorry, there was a wrong passage there. It will be uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Let's just read 1 and 2, okay? okay? It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Verse 2, I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. So, right after the denunciation of the wicked Babel builders for them wanting to make a name for themselves, and we look at that, ah, fame, that self-arrogance, which is true. Arrogance is bad, and self-aggrandizement is wicked. But having greatness in the eyes of the world is not inherently evil. In fact, go back to that original promise of Abraham, that's exactly what God promised to do for Abraham. Hmm. But why was it? Was it to lift up Abraham and make him an idol? Of course not. It was for a greater purpose, okay? And So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 4, and now we're going to go back to Wednesday's lesson. These passages are... In response to the question in the middle of the passage where, of the study where it okay. says, why did the Lord want to make a special nation out of Abraham's seed?
1: Why would he want to do that? May I read that? Please do. Deuteronomy 4, verses 5 and 6. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Mm-hmm. Therefore be careful to observe them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people.
0: All right, let's break this passage down a little bit. First of all, he says you need to be careful to obey the statutes and laws. And the reason wasn't so you can get into heaven. Exactly. He doesn't say because this is my deal and you just have to stick to it. But he has a a functional purpose in mind outside of Israel. He says because people are going to be watching you. And they need to see what a life of fidelity looks like. You are to reveal in your own being, in your own lifestyle, what faithfulness is. Because God knows people are watching. Now, we're going to come back to Deuteronomy chapter 4 in just a minute for a fascinating statement. But we'll get to it. i just want to plant that seed. But furthermore, we're to see that God... That wasn't just an offhanded comment. That this is actually a running thread for God's people, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, even to the very end of the world. That God expects them to be on full display, before before looking. Well, well even... we
1: don't have this in the notes. But one thing that comes to my mind is you remember when they finally came into the Promised Land. Mm-hmm. God would not allow them to be circumcised in the Promised Land in in, in the wander in the wilderness. Do you remember that? Mm. And He told Joshua. I want you in Gilgal, I want you to cross, I want you to, you know, now that the people have chosen to be faithful to me and I can take them in land, I want you to circumcise them and roll away the reproach from Egypt. Mm. And if you look in the context, it's not there in Joshua 5, but if you go back and look, the the claim was Moses was concerned that the Egyptians would or the people would say God wasn't strong enough to bring them into the land. Mm -hmm. And so... Once again, like he was like, I'm not going to circumcise you in, in with that covenant here, with yeah. my people until I've revealed that I am able to bring you into the land. Mm. And there are spiritual implications of that to, you know, what we're talking about—the bringing of God's people into the land today, spiritually. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I hear you talking about. Well, let's keep Isn't studying it? it out, because
0: look at Deuteronomy chapter. You're in Deuteronomy. Go to seven verse six, if you would please.
1: Deuteronomy 7 and verse 6. Yes. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the
0: earth. And notice he calls them special in contrast with the people of the earth. And that doesn't mean like he's going to have a special protected people just to dote on and pet. But there's a functionality to those other people. And I see this in Isaiah chapter 60, which we studied last quarter. Where in verse 1, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and His glory, which we know is His character, will mm-hmm. be seen upon you. Yeah. The Gentile shall come to your light. So out of the darkness of heathenism, they'll come to the light of the righteousness of God through your witness. That's right. So the reason he puts them as special, well, this is the passage I was going to tell you about. This is from um, Testimonies for the Church, Volume 6, page 13. Quoting here, Deuteronomy 7, you're going to be a special nation. Deuteronomy 4, be careful to keep them for all the people who are watching you. She then writes and says, Even these words fail of expressing the greatness and the glory of God's purpose to be accomplished through his people. Not to this world only, but to the universe are we to make manifest the principles of his kingdom this manifestation of the glory or character of god as revealed in his people mm-hmm. is not just for the people themselves nor is it only for those watching among the heathen of this world that's right but even the universe is right. on full display god has a great controversy uh uh this this whole covenant promise and the Development of this people, this showing forth His glory, mm-hmm. is is wrapped in this great controversy scheme, and it's huge. That's right.
1: Well, this is the point that I was getting to with the bringing them into the land. Yes. There are the implications, like God, Him bringing them into the land, wasn't giving glory to them. It was it was it was vindicating Him and, yes. and His. This is what I promised I was going to do, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to show it. that it worked. Yeah. Now, interestingly, and you put this in the outline, 1 Corinthians 4.9 and Ephesians 3.10 are both scriptures that speak to what you were just saying. Exactly,
0: and I want to show that this is not just an Old Testament thing, that that That's New right. Testament covenant continues. And 1 Corinthians 4.9 says, for, and that Paul writing here says, For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last, as men condemned to death, for we have been made a spectacle to the world. And then it both. adds, comma, both to angels and to men. That's so right. when Paul talks about God making people for Himself, namely at this point, a spectacle to the world, he doesn't mean just mean this world. He's talking about the universe. That's right. And you see that in Ephesians chapter three and verse ten. One of my favorite passages. And I know we're racing the clock a Where little it bit here.
1: Basically says the church. Yes,
0: will... the man to the intent, verse ten to the now, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. To the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. That's right. So God wants to reveal His character not just for our own personal edification, but to demonstrate to those on looking here and the universe uh, as a whole His plan of redemption is not just theory; it can work, and He wants That's to right. show it in the lives of His people.
1: That's right. So, so many you great have passages a of here. Fat statements here. What do you want to look at?
0: <sighs> well, let me just. I don't know if we can just race through them, at least mention sure. them. So, so people can, why 16, don't you read the first one? Timothy number
1: 12 says, The purpose which God seeks to accomplish through his people today is the same that he desired to accomplish through Israel when he brought them forth out of Egypt. By beholding the goodness, the mercy, the justice, and the love of God revealed in the church, the world is to have a representation of his character. So they see it in the church. Hmm. They should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when the law of God is thus exemplified in the life even the world will recognize the superiority of those who love and fear and serve God above every other people on the earth. Mm.
0: And quoting, uh, quoting from Ephesians 3.10, Mrs. White opens that great book, Acts of the Apostles, with this yeah. language. From the beginning, it has been God's plan that through his church shall be reflected to the world his fullness and his sufficiency. The members of the church, those whom he has called out of darkness into his marvelous light, are to show forth his glory. The church is the repository of the riches of the grace of Christ, and through the church will eventually be made manifest, even to the principalities and powers in heavenly places, the final and full display of the love of God.
1: Mm. Mm. Ellen White says in Desire of Ages 671 the very image of God is to be reproduced in humanity, the honor of God, the honor of Christ is involved in the perfection of the character of his people. So it's not
0: to show off the people, it's to show forth the glory right. of God. That's right. And I couldn't pass this one up. This is from Councils of the Church, page 345. Listen to these end-time implications in the great controversy. Just before us is the closing struggle of the great controversy, when, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, Satan is to work to misrepresent the character of God that he may seduce, if, if it were possible, even the elect. If there was ever a people in need of constantly increasing light from heaven, it is the people that, in this time of peril, God has called to be the depositories of His law, His holy law, and to vindicate His character before the world. Those to whom He has committed, been, those to whom has been committed, a trust so sacred, must be spiritualized elevated, vitalized by the truths they profess to believe.
1: Mm, Powerful.
0: Yeah, so that's exactly what God was calling for the ancient Israelites under Mm -hmm. Abraham's household, and even now to this day, he still wants the
1: same thing to happen. The lesson on Friday concludes in the third uh, paragraph. As the spiritual descendants of Abraham, we too must realize that here we do not have an enduring city, and he's quoting from Hebrews, but we are looking for the city that is to come. The certainty of the future life with Christ keeps us steady in this present world of change and decay.
0: The idea being that we should not just look to ourselves, certainly, or even to this temporal life here, but if yes. we keep our eyes on Christ in that heavenly city, we're going to, by His grace, be transformed into citizens of heaven even now. Amen. That's oh, a powerful thought. Can you give us a closing prayer, Hester Howard? Let's Howling.
1: pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you for the words of promise in your scripture. We thank you for the everlasting promise you've given through the covenant. And Lord, we pray that we would be partakers of Christ mm-hmm. as promised in the covenant. Uh, Lord, increase our faith, for we ask and pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen.